Welcome to the Small But Mighty Podcast, where we dive into the world of connection. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back. I hope everyone had a fantastic week. Oh, I love it. I hope they caught that. (laughs) Keep it on. (laughs) Y'all heard that? It was the office ringtone. We love the office here. <laughs> anyway, I, anyway, I hope everyone had a fantastic week. Um, my week was pretty chill, actually, for the most part. Um, it was uneventful. My brother and his wife are um, doing some family family planning, and they had a little setback, and that was kind of rough for the whole family, like all of us, because we were just really excited. But you know what? they live to see another day and we'll try again um but anyway um that was probably the most eventful anything that happened this week for for me um sorry everybody i'm just sitting here thinking so what we're going to discuss here today i'm just going to go over the week in review like i always do but i'm going to touch on um, the fact that Twitch, he's a popular um, dancer. I'm going to say dancer because that's how I was introduced to him, like entertainment-wise, um, years ago. Gosh, three exes ago, <laughs> three ex-boyfriends ago, which was decades ago. <laughs> um we're going to discuss him. He DJ Twitch, as most people know him from Ellen, committed suicide yesterday, um, December 14th, 2022. We'll put that date. So I want to kind of discuss that because I, I feel some type of way about it. So um, not that it's my business. I'm not talking about him doing it. I'm talking more in general how the Internet <laughs> and the people are handling it but anyway so yeah back to the week in review mine was kind of boring other than the miss you know what happened with my brother and his wife other than that we're good we're cool good week um but it was interesting because you know I always had to do a week, week in review and I try to grow in a, a little way shape or form every week you know gotta learn something new about myself you know and try to make some adjustments here and there and it's interesting we're going off of last week's um uh, weekend review weekend review we're gonna go off of that one um it's interesting because when i was talking about i had asked for i had posted a post just asking for prayers for my brother and my uh, sister-in-law and a high school friend somebody who's known me since i mean i was little little well i was young um and we graduated together but he was more friends with my brother because he played um played with he played um sports and stuff they grew up doing sports and stuff together but anyway he uh inboxed me to see if everything was okay and just checking up and catching up and um he asked me this is the first time anybody has ever asked me this so it threw me for a loop y'all it really did just kind of threw me off he asked me when i was going to get married 
And y'all, if you could see me now, you can see the face I'm making. I just looked to the left. He wasn't even in my presence. Like, I just looked to my left and looked to my right. Like, nobody was sitting next to me either. Like, I was by myself just talking, talking, texting, you know. And I'm just sitting here like, why are you asking me this? Like, in my head, like... I always thought people were crazy for tripping out whenever people would ask them, when are you getting married? When are you gonna have kids? When are you gonna do this? Like, I didn't consider that very intrusive. And when he asked me, I was just like, I don't think I'm gonna get married again. And then a whole conversation, you know, commenced about why I don't wanna get married again. And it didn't, it didn't matter. He was like, blah, blah, blah. Literally, that was his response. Blah, 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 you're hurt. And I was just like, not really. So with that being said, I went on to then obsess about this topic all week. This was is the topic of choice I decided to ruminate over all week because the way my brain works, once I get something in my mind, a lot of times until I exhaust every single little aspect of it, I obsess over it until I'm done. Like. It, until for whatever reason, I'm tired of thinking about it. But so thanks to him, I thought, hmm, why don't I want to get married? <laughs> and it isn't because, it's the fact that he said it's because I was hurt. I'm not hurt. I honestly didn't want to marry my ex-husband when we got married. And I'm not mad at him for that. Like, I'm not mad at him. He didn't hurt, like, I knew I was going to divorce him when I married him. I was just how long I was gonna wait before getting a divorce. Um, I'm not mad at him. He's probably more mad at me. Actually, I know he was more mad at me, but he's the one who filed for divorce. So, you know, he beat me to the punch. <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless, um, I just didn't want to marry him. And so I thought it was just, I don't know. I just never saw it. So um, growing up, I never pictured myself. Growing up when I was younger, I never pictured myself as being married. I pictured myself someplace in Colorado with, well, not someplace. I wanted to be close to Estes Park. And I wanted to have a ranch with horses. And I wanted to give, um, what are those, horse, not horseback riding, like horseback riding tours through the mountains. That's what I wanted to do because as a kid, my grandpa had a horse and his name was Pete. <laughs> and I was always mad because they would never let me take Pete out running. Like I wanted my own horse so I could go running through the, you know, like in the movies, because <laughs> I live by the movies. Uh, you know, they just go off and they're galloping all fast and they're just going. Like that's what I wanted to do and feel free with these horses. Like that was my dream, never to be married. And so of course then, um, like I said, when my ex-husband proposed, he proposed to me twice. The first time I said no, second time I was like punked into it. So it wasn't like, yeah, <clears throat> I was punked into it. So I didn't even want to get married then. So it was like every time, I, I've never really wanted to. But when I had my son, when I had my oldest, I kind of like switched over to, I want to be able to provide that family type of, you know, structure. I want him to be able to have a family. It wasn't more so about me and my wants and desires and needs. It was more of, I wanted that for my son, for my child. And that kind of, um, 
that desire remains to a certain extent right now, but it's a little different and it's dependent upon the day and the mood I'm in, which then, you know, um, the more I've decided, um, or when I decided I didn't want any more kids, the, my desire for a husband decreased. Not to say that that's all you guys, not to say that's all y'all are good for. That's terrible. Oh my God. Y'all, I had this written down in notes and I just like read it and it clicked in my head with that. I don't mean it like that. Like men are good for other things too. You aren't just like the, well, I mean, you are the, the, vessels of the things we need to have babies but i'm saying you're worth and i'm just gonna move on to what i'm trying to say i didn't mean it in any bad way y'all anyway my desire for that family unit still remains it's just uh dependent on the day anyway here recently my mantra has been i don't want to get married i just want someone to go hiking with me when i say that i'm essentially saying I have a, de a desire to experience life as an adventure. I want someone to do that with, but I don't necessarily need to be married to them to get the results. And this is the growth section of the week because it's it's coming. What's up, man? You all hear Rocky? He's the he's the mascot for um, the studio, not the show, not the show though. I had to say that because my dogs would get mad. <laughs> If I claimed another dog they've never even met. They every time I come home to my house after I've pet Rocky, they they get mad at me. They put their ears back and smell my ankles and smell my knees. <laughs> they get so jealous. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> when I say that um Oh wait, so now yeah, I already said all that. Then you, okay, so I was thinking of all, of all that. That's all that was going through my head this week. And I'm just minding my business as always. And, you know, God wants to, um, you know, show up and throw a wrench in the way I think, you know, always, always does. And it wasn't even anything like in, nothing I didn't already know, you know. But if marriage is godly, this is what he said to me or what he deposited into me. If marriage is godly and I want um, essentially everything that comes with, with, with marriage, but I don't want marriage, then I leave myself open for chaos. That's essentially what he was saying to me. And it's like, you, I don't want chaos. Like, I'm tired of chaos. I don't want chaos anymore. But if marriage is godly and to be with somebody outside of that, then... Like, you have to be single, single. You know, like you have to be single, single. So it's like, do I really want to be single, single? Or like, am I cool being single, single? And then I sat there and obsessed about what that would look like, you know? At 40, do I really want to be single, single? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, you know, like I'm sitting here looking at it. And so that's what I'm just sitting here. So... Then I was just like, well, what do I want then? And then that's, that was the obsession. And so now it's just like, I have so much I want to do. Hmm? Like, I have so much I want to do still because I never got to do it when I should have been able to do it. You know, I got pregnant when I was tw like 
20 and married when I was 20. And that literally shaped my whole entire adult life after. And I haven't been able to do the things that I wanted to do. And I'm a very self-sacrificial type of person. Like I'll put everybody before myself. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it, but I am. And um, it just made me feel like it made me sit there and think, well, why am I okay with just being single, single? You know, I have this whole, I have kids now, like I should want and desire to want to like still want to provide that feeling of like home and like the normal household, I guess what you consider normal. I'm air quotes, normal household. But I don't think like, I don't think I'd be able to do that. I don't like sitting still. I don't like being at home. Like I, home was never a fun place for me. So like, I don't like being at home. I like being out and doing things and seeing the world, learning from the world. And when I say world, I don't even have, it doesn't, I'm not talking about having to go to like another country. Like I just, the world is your community. It's the people. Like I want to be around people. So I love my job. I get to see different people every single day, every single day. Um, like, I just don't feel comfortable sitting at home all the time. Like, I like to. And I guess if there's anybody who can make me want to sit still, then I know that's the person that I need to sit still for. Like, I need to, like, that might be the person. But I don't, I haven't, I just can't see it happening. But, you know, if I want to live this godly life that I, I'm trying on a daily basis to chase after and I fall short of, I... <sighs> I know it's either going to be one way or another. Lord Jesus, be with me. Amen. <laughs> Y'all, I thank you. You hang out with me and listen to me every week. I really do because it's just my brain. You guys are just listening to all the chaos that goes on in my brain every week, and I appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be back. We're going to discuss this Twitch thing, and it's going to get kind of serious and kind of deep. If you have any triggers that have to do with suicide, um, mental health, depression, or anything like that, I would suggest you stop now. Do not proceed. Um, or if you're around kids, you maybe not want to listen around kids. And um, yeah, stay tuned. Part of me feels like there may be this underlying fear that I that I will try and then I won't finish again. Growing up, that's why I wanted, cause I, I wanted to be a daddy, cause like I, I don't want my kids to feel how I feel. I'm Oliver Last Name, the creator of a book for people who love people. The book's designed to help us get closer to ourselves and the people around us. You see, healing comes in the form of vulnerability. But the problem is vulnerability is often hidden. And I wanted to create a tool where we could heal together. And when they look at me, I want them to see me. Get your copy of a book for people who love people, Indie Volume 1 now. Available at fpwlp.com. Welcome back.
Did y'all go pee? I had to go pee on the commercial break. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we had a little over here in the United States, and I'm sure he touched other people's lives across the world because uh, he was such a huge personality. Um, we had a loss in our em entertainment sphere. Um, Twitch, DJ Twitch, most people know him as Ellen DeGeneres' uh, DJ <clears throat> from um, The Ellen Show. And uh, he committed suicide. And ugh, I'm gonna, I, it's going to make me cry. But I first started watching him when he, audit, when he was on So You Think You Can Dance. Did you, do you remember? Did you ever watch that? This is how long ago it was. My child, who is now about to turn 20, um, watched it with me when he was three three so and i'm so yeah 17 years right <laughs> yeah my math so 17 years like for 17 years like that's when he kind of exploded at least onto the national international like we all found out who he was i'm sure since he was so good at what he did dancing and djing and all that like i'm sure like he was well known. He just wasn't well known to people in the cornfields. You know, like I just, he touched so many people's lives. His smile, his, you, you could like the warmth, you know, his aura, like it kind of just exuded. Like you could feel it through the screen, whether you were watching him dance when he was younger on So You Can Think You Can Dance, So You Think You Can Dance, or if you were um, watching him on Ellen. You know, just wherever he was at, whenever you saw him, he was smiling. He was happy. And so I feel like that's, what, like, the biggest reason why it has rocked everybody. Like, the news rocked everybody. And what I've been seeing, what I've been seeing, uh, and you see this after every person, like, every superstar, every not superstar, but somebody close to somebody, like, anytime somebody commits suicide, you start seeing these posts, oh, <clears throat> you know, you can always reach out, you can always call, you can always do this, you can always do that, you don't, you're not, you're not in this thing by yourself, yada, 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 like, people all of a sudden want to after the fact, want to say, I'm here for you. But in reality, you know, and uh, I have to be very careful with this because I don't want to offend anybody. But, um, you know, it's not that simple. That's the easiest way I can, I can say it because depression to get in depression is in the DSM five, which mean which means it has signs and symptoms to which it can be you you can diagnose somebody with. Um, so when people sit there and say, I had no clue, you should have said something. I feel like you're displacing your accountability to your friend or family member back onto the person who committed suicide because there are signs and symptoms. And <clears throat> I understand that people are busy with their lives and the, we all have our own struggles to be concerned and to be worried about and to deal with every single day. And it is impossible to be there for somebody all the time. And that's why I say I have to be careful and I don't want to offend anybody because 
I understand you're hurt because you lost your friend and you feel guilty that you weren't able to help them. But at the same time, I feel like, can we acknowledge the fact that there are signs and symptoms? There are signs and symptoms. Um, you know, I've been, I have been struggling with suicidal ideology since I was in sixth grade. I'm 40. And if you were to look at all the signs and sim symptoms that um, my family just ignored, you know, they ignored, um, it makes it really hard for me not to be resentful. You know, a little over a year and a half ago, I, I wrote the letters, I did everything. Like, I mean, I was, if it wasn't for my youngest son telling his dad that he thought I was gonna kill myself, um, I would have. Um, you know, every day it, w it was really triggering to come on and to like last night, I woke up in the middle of the night to take our puppy out and I got onto Facebook cause I couldn't get back to sleep. And all I see are these things of these posts about, <clears throat> He must have been bipolar, you know, Twitch must have been bipolar. You never, you know, he must have been this or, you know, why can't people just say something? You know, it's not that hard. And when you, they have at some point in time, they probably have told you at some point in time, things aren't okay. They might not have been straightforward in a way that was like, hey, I'm depressed. I need help. That's not what it's going to look like. I've realized my go-to way of telling people where my mental state is, is I use the word overwhelmed. You know, I, I will tell people constantly, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'll tell you where I feel overwhelmed, which if I tell you I'm overwhelmed over here, then, and you want to be of service, if you want to help me get out of feeling that way, like get my head out, then help me over there and that to so that I'm not feeling overwhelmed. You know, a lot of people don't know how to actually be supportive. And um, that's not their fault. It's, I don't feel like it's anybody's fault, but I just wish people would um, kind of stop saying, I wish they would have or they should have, or stop saying that um, because they were suicidal, that they must have other bigger issues going on. Um, no, there are people who will literally commit suicide because they lost their job. It could be literally something as simple as one. It's not that it's not losing your job's not simple, you know, um, but it could be just that that one thing and that broke the camel's back, you know, or it, you just don't know you have. Then you also have depression and suicide and suicidal ideology that is genetic. It's genetic in my family. So. Just like addiction's genetic, this, you know, this can be too. So for people to sit there and say, it's just this, or it also bothers me when people say, just get over it or smile, you know, it's that simple, just smile every day. It's not that simple. It truly is a disease. It's, it truly is something that, um, It's curable. I believe it's curable because of the things we were discussing about last, you know, what we were discussing about um, 
last week, last episode. I, it's just mental health hasn't really been studied heavily until like the 80s. And they hadn't really studied it on children, the effects of different traumas and stresses on children until like 1989. And one of the uh, key um, advocates for that was Oprah. She was one of the big main pushers. She got legislation, legislation put in for it and all these things. So think about that. 1980, like I think that was back in 1989. If I remember correctly, I might be early 90s. Um, but that's fresh you know that's fresh so i don't expect people to understand um especially if they haven't been doing the research you know to understand like the process we're still stuck a lot of people are still stuck with when they think of mental illness they think oh you just go and you sit with a therapist and you just talk your head off well i could i could go do that with my friends you know they don't really they don't, there, there are people, there's been studies that have shown that there the people who are neurotypical don't process mental health and the brain the same way. Like they don't see the brain as part of the body. They are two separate things. Like you have your heart feelings and then you have your brain. Whereas people who are neurodivergent um, tend to see everything as one whole. And so if the brain isn't functioning correctly, they understand that that will then also make the rest of your body not function correctly. And um, that and so there's so knowing that they don't think the same way, like that neurotypical people don't see it, it as that they don't look at as mental health as the same way. They don't look at it as. Um, oh, gosh, I forget what they said, they how they see the, I can only see like the the picture of how they're describing it in the book, <laughs> but it's like a separate thing of how they see it, and it's just different, and that's why you have people who don't understand um, how autism people with autism, you know, how they function. Um, they don't understand how people with anxiety, they don't believe that that's a real thing. They don't believe that. Um, there's quite a few different things. I don't, I was going to, I need to do some more research on it because I don't, I only read like a little blip about it in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. So I saved it and I will come back to it. But I just find it really interesting when we're on Facebook, y'all, like, I know we want to like be, I would have been there for you, but like now you like, you like, why would stopped you? When you go over to their house, is their house a mess? <laughs> like, that's the sign. They're too, like, they have disinterest. Do they, do they stop coming to the things? You know, like, to the, not events, but, like, do they stop going out to dinner with you? Like, do they stop their routines? Like, there are, there are, there are, like, actual signs. And instead of just me sitting here saying that, I'll give you some other than those two examples. Um... You know, anxiety, hopelessness, general discontent, if they're constantly pessimistic, like that's a sign. It might just be somebody's disposition. It's my ex-husband's disposition to be constantly pessimistic. But um, 
you know, excessively crying. They're agitated. There's, there's like a whole list. And I'm sitting here looking at this list, you know, excessive hunger, fatigue, loss of appetite, lack of concentration. This reminds me of um, my son's, my youngest son's dad, like right before it all went down, it went down, like right before I was going to commit suicide, like maybe a month before there was like an uptick in kids on TikTok committing suicide. And so he turned to me and looked at me and goes, maybe you'll understand. He's like, maybe you can answer this question. Or he says something to that effect and was like, why are all these kids committing suicide on TikTok? And I looked at him and I didn't, like my initial, like I shrugged my shoulders because like, I don't know. Initially, like, I don't know. Like to me, suicide is very personal. It's not the same for every person. Mental health is very personal. It's not the same for every person. It's not a one size fits all type of thing. So when he asked me that, I just kind of, I said, I don't know. And I looked at him, he's like, well, I mean, he's like, you're, you, you're suicidal, don't you? And I looked at him and I was just like, but that doesn't mean I understand what they're good. Like, I mean, they're, I can understand their feeling of hopelessness, but I don't know what got them there. You know, like, I don't know why all of a sudden all these kids are doing this, but I could imagine it has something to do with all the trauma they've had to grow up in because this world is chaotic. It's out of order and their little brains can't can't process it and we as adults aren't doing the best either to process it so you know that's just in hindsight what my answer should have been but I found that conversation interesting because he said I was you know he he said it like I was actively suicidal and or that I was actively thinking about it and at that time in my head like I wasn't saying I was going to kill myself like it wasn't decided, but about a month later, but I still had the tall tale signs. Like he, like I had all the tall tale signs and symptoms and I'm sitting here looking at like almost everything on this list, I could tick them off. And he could see that, he could see that, he saw it. He acknowledged it by asking that question, I think. And he still didn't, instead he made it worse. You know, he piled it on, piled it on until he hit the right button to where, you know, like, what, like, what, like, you, you could, and this is where I kind of get kind of, and this is what triggered me when I, to, last night when I was reading this article about, um, or I was seeing people's posts about Twitch, you know, and I was sitting there, I was like, people see these symptoms, y'all see this, and you want to ignore it, and then once something does happen, you don't want to feel guilty because you saw it and did nothing about it because you didn't think it was that severe. You didn't think it was that bad, you know? And I hold a lot of resentment towards my family and a lot of other people who, um, who saw it, saw it going on didn't do anything about it, continued to treat me and be part of the, you know, a lot of them were the cause of my trauma in the first place to get me to where I was at anyway. Um, you know, I've been like this since I was in sixth grade. And 
I'm resentful because like, if you want me here, why don't you treat me like you want me here? <laughs> you know? And that's kind of like when, if you listen to one of our, my other podcasts I did with one of my friends, um, I forget which episode it was, it was, we were discussing, it was, was it the second episode? We, is the, we did the, uh, it was after the getting to know you, we did the suicide one. Yeah. And the second episode, um, I would just, I had, um, brought up how I was resentful of the people that saved, quote unquote, saved me because they're also the same people that traumatized me and gaslit me and all these things ever since I was little and yet you're saving me and I feel like that's like that's another from like if we're going to be doing this, if you're keeping me here on this earth, you know, like it's got to be, un, you know, I finally woke up and it's like, it's my, my choice. We're going to do it by my rules. We're going to do it with my boundaries. And, you know, you had to find a new place. Like you had to find a new place, but I was resentful. I still was like walking into the studio today. I was still resentful. You know, um, I was shaking when I came in here. Shawnee gabbed long enough to get me down to a probably a five <laughs> from a 10 of anxiety down to a five. He did his job for y'all. Um, so and so that like is to ha for somebody to be in that headspace, it takes it takes a lot of work to be able to get them out of it and telling somebody just to smile, just to just to um it'll get better. They aren't going to believe you. And um, you have to kind of make sense. And so to respond to everybody that, you know, says they want to be there for somebody, and I think you guys just don't know how to be, here's my suggestion. It's about validation and safety. The person needs to feel validated and they need to feel safe so that they can trust you. I don't know if you've ever um, interacted with somebody with autism. Uh, but there's this thing that you do when you first meet somebody with autism, depending on how bad it is, like how, not bad, but how, um, how high functioning versus low functioning they are, the lower functioning, you do this thing called pairing, where um, you don't necessarily just walk up to them and introduce your, you know, walk up to them and start engaging with them, you kind of just sit next to them, introduce yourself, don't touch them, don't touch what they're doing, don't try to engage with them other than introducing who you are and asking if you can sit next to them. And then as you're sitting there, maybe ask what, you know, what they're doing. Even if they're nonverbal they can, and they can hear you, you can still go through that process. So with somebody, until they feel comfortable enough and they might offer for you to join in in some way, shape or form. Same kind of concept with some, I feel like this would, same kind of concept with somebody with depression. You make them feel safe. You don't, you know, overload them with questions of why they feel the way they do. When they express, finally express how they feel the way they do, um, instead of trying to fix the problem or saying, well, you're looking at this in a overblown way, in an exaggerated way, you know, instead of saying things like that, maybe say, I've never experienced how you feel, but I can understand how 
that would make you feel this way. Like, offer some sort of validation. I can understand how this would make you feel worried. I can understand how this would, you know, kind of put yourself, look at it from their perspective. Try your best to look at it from their perspective and acknowledge that you understand why they feel that way. When they are talking, maybe sit there and say, okay, this is what I heard. This is what you said. This is what I heard. Am I understanding you correctly? So that they feel like they're being listened to and heard. There are so many different ways. Um, if you notice that their house is in disarray, ask if you can sit and hang out while they clean their house. Because sometimes they just need somebody there to kind of shadow with while they're cleaning, you know? There's, a, you know, there's so many ways, but... First is just recognizing the symptoms, not necessarily self-diagnosing, but maybe say, hmm, they're not usually like this. What can I do? Like, let's see. And kind of just reach out in that way. Don't sit there and say, I noticed you've been feeling down in the dumps or like, not like that. I don't know, but I don't know. I just feel like that needed to be talked about because so many people are like, well, I don't know what to do. Or they're like, they should have said something. People with depression aren't going to because it's still a taboo to have. Even though people are more open about having it, even though more people are, um, you know, they're more willing to talk about mental health, it's still not something that's accepted to have or to, um, and people don't know necessarily how to truly help. They want to, but they don't understand how to. So I just wanted to kind of put that in everybody's minds. I hope you all have a beautiful and lovely rest of your week. I'll be back next week talking about the vagus nerve. It will still tie into everything we discussed today. And um, because it's how I think we can combat things like depression and suicide. So Love y'all. Thanks for hanging out. I know it was uh, kind of deep and I felt like I was kind of um, chastising y'all like you're my kids, but I really wasn't. I just feel like more needs to be said and done. Love y'all. Come back and see me next week. Bye. Bye.